Thank you for tuning in to Cobblestone Community Church's podcast, where we are taught by the Word and led by the Spirit. I hope today's message encourages you and challenges you to draw nearer to Jesus. So we're going to, I'm going to preach the Word, and then we're going to go right back to where we just were, which is praying for one another, asking God to move. Um... There's a rhythm to revivals. There's a rhythm to movements of God. And sometimes we expect them to come in like ecstatic ways, but most of the time it's just what you just saw. People weeping over their sin, people praying over people weeping over their sin, and then people rejoicing in song. And then you just go, you do that again and again and again. So... My job is actually not what you think it is. Um, my job's not to give you a nice sermon that makes you feel good. My, my job is actually to form you around the full teaching of Jesus Christ. And you're like, where did you get that job description? Uh, Matthew 28, do you know what they call that? They call it the Great Commission. And it starts off, it starts off with one word, Go. But it's not just go and live your life apart from me or go and do this. Matthew 28, 18 is this call to do the work of God. But he says, Jesus came and said to them, he's saying to his disciples, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. So church, who has all authority? Your church to say Jesus, yeah? The son of God incarnated in flesh after the resurrection looks at a group of humans and goes, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, which is a weighty statement. Authority is what I say goes. So all authority in heaven has been given to the son and all authority on earth has been given to the son. Who do you belong to? Jesus, the Son of God. All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Go, therefore. Doesn't that just fill you with a lot of courage? The guy that sent me, he's got all the authority. The guy that told us to go, he has all authority, not just on the earth, but in heaven. That guy sent me. That guy said go. Go, therefore, and make what? Disciples. People that aren't just, didn't just say a prayer, but they are also following this Jesus formed around his life. Yes, Lord, what do you have for me today? Disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And this is where you get into my job description. Verse 20, teaching them to observe. Your version might say obey. Teach them to observe and obey all that I have commanded you. So our job as as guys that get to teach is to try to pull you into being formed around and obeying all the commands of Jesus. And I say all that because John 16 is included in all the things that he commanded. And I'm trying to steer off a pushback that's going to come because John 16 is about the Holy Spirit. John 16 is about what the Holy Spirit will do. John 16 is Jesus' own words, and the pushback will be is, oh, there goes Andrew 
talking about the Holy Spirit again. But Jesus commanded it. And we don't get to go, well, I don't really like that part, so I'm going to skip that scripture. And so if you have a Bible and you're open to John 16, we've been studying John 14, 15, 16, and 17. I thought Jeremiah killed it last week. I even, like, my wife was like, you could have kept going for an hour and I would have listened to you, which is unusual for her. She doesn't say that to me. So. And what you have is this, it's called the farewell discourse. Jesus knows he's going to die. And Jesus knows that he's going to go to the Father. And so he's sitting at that low Jewish table. I picture John leaning back, I feel. And, and in John 13, he had told Judas, you're going to betray me. John 14, he looks at Peter, you're going to deny me. And then he begins to say, hey, but I don't want your heart to be troubled. Do you remember that from 14? And then in John 15, he says, you can't go do any of this unless you abide in me. And you have to abide in my love, and you have to abide in me, in your, or, or it's not going to happen. You can do nothing apart from me. And in the beginning of 16, he says, I have said all these things to keep you from falling away. So what does Jesus not want you to do? Fall away. He wants you close. He wants you steady. He does not want your heart fretting. And I love it that the Son of God, who's about to go get brutally murdered on a cross, is not so concerned about that. He's going, I don't want you going anywhere. I want you, I want you with me. They will put you out of the synagogues. Indeed, the hour is coming when whoever kills you will think he is offering service to God. And they will do these things because they have not known the Father nor me. But I have said these things to you that when the hour comes, you may remember that I told them to you. Whoever kills you will think that they are serving God. This actually happens to all but one of the, the disciples. They all get killed. They all die, crucified upside down, boiled, beaten, stabbed, hit with a sword. All of them. And Jesus goes, I want you to remember, and I think they probably all did, and I have this picture in my head. They're all coming to their deaths, and I, do, I just picture a smile. He told me this was going to happen. So they didn't have to be worried. They didn't have to be afraid. And so often when we think Christianity, we think rainbows and unicorns. And I have found that the way of Jesus is none of those things most of the time. It's life with him, but he promised the religious people will hate you. In the 70s, there was this movement called the Jesus People Movement. Anybody live that in this room? Maybe? You're like, whoop, whoop. In the 1970s, you had a bunch of teenage hippies strung out on LSD, and they all started coming to Jesus, right? Now, just picture that scene in here, a massive throng of shirtless, sandalless, LSD-using hippies going, Jesus saves me, and he loves you, man. Like, how offensive that would be, right? And this is what happened as it started to happen. These great droves of ex-LSD hippies began to go to churches who were wearing their suits with their nice carpet and their nice draperies, and they had a choice to make. Do we let the kids come in and teach them about the Lord or is this place not for them? 
And all, if you read the stories, and there's stories coming out, there's actually a movie this week coming out about it, there's certain pastors that begin to say, yes, I want the move of God. I want what God's doing, and I'm going to follow him. And their congregations either fired them or ran them out of town. And they will all tell you that it's worth it because following Jesus is always worth it. And so when I look at these verses, I'm like, all right, Lord, I don't want to fall away. And so I think one of the ways we cannot fall away is to be reminded that even when it gets hard, that does not mean that he's abandoned you. That doesn't mean that he's far away. That doesn't mean that Caleb and Lauren are abandoned by God because their baby was born the way that he was. And that's such a hard, like, soul-level message. But all the apostles, I think, will preach it to you when you see them in heaven. And then Jesus follows that up with, at the end of verse 4, I did not say these things to you from the beginning because I was with you. But now I'm going to him who sent me, and none of you asked me, where are you going? Because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Now this verse 7 is where I want to land, and then we'll end. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Concerning sin, because they do not believe in me. Concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father, and you will see me no longer. Concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. So here's Jesus, God in the flesh incarnate. They're walking with him for about three years. He's correcting them. Wouldn't you love to be corrected by Jesus? And he's like, Peter, shut up. And he's like, but I love you, man. And then he's like sitting down and eating meals with them. He's like multiplying fishes and loaves. Who doesn't want Jesus next to him, right? Like, I want the son of God. I want to walk with him. I want to talk with him. How cool would it be if right now I was like, correct me, please tell me. Why don't you lead them? I don't really feel up to it. And then he's just like, pizza, like multiple, you know, like that'd be awesome, right? But what does he say? I, I tell you the truth. It's to your advantage that I'm going away. It's actually better for you that I'm not right here. Here's the reality. We don't believe that. No, 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 no. The best thing is if Jesus was right here. Like, who doesn't? Like, let's just sit him right here. What do you got? Who doesn't want to live that way? I want the Son of God next to me. I want, to, I, want, I want to live that life. But the Son of God, in red letter, just said, it's better that I go away. You want me to go away. I struggle with that. No, I don't want you to go away. And it'll be better because if I do not go away, the Helper will not come to you. Now, we know the helper's name. We, we have a title for him, the Holy Spirit. And he actually, if you read this in the original, I do think it would read this way. He says, if I don't go away, a helper like me will not come to you. And so Jesus says, it's really good that I'm going away, but there's another one who's just like me who's going to come to you. And he will be with you always. This is good news. This is like, really, Jesus? You're going to send me a helper just like you. It's not going to be like you next to me, but it's going to be even better because he's going to be in me? 
but if I go, I'll, I'll send him to you. And, and when he comes, this helper, this spirit of the Lord, he's going to convict the world. So he's not just going to convict the little corner of Jerusalem. He's not just going to convict the Philippi church. He's not just going to convict the Jews. He's going to convict, convict the whole wide world. And he's primarily going to do it in three ways. He's going to convict the world of sin because they do not believe in me. So this conviction is like you see God moving. You see God doing all his works and wonders in the Bible. You see Jesus dying and rising from the dead. You see Jesus saving people in front of you. Today you watch people weep and then you go, ah, but I just don't want to buy it. There's this conviction that the Holy Spirit brings that no man can bring. I've watched rugged men who their whole life fight God in a moment. The Holy Spirit's like, You're, you are convicted. And they have to start breaking down. God breaks down the hearts of men and women by the Spirit of God and convicts them because they do not believe in the one true Son of God. But not only that, he's going to convict of righteousness. Because what? I go to the Father, he says. So Jesus ascends to heaven and sits down at the right hand of the Father. And what is the Son of God doing right now? If you are in Christ, he's doing a very specific thing for you. Do you know what it is? Interceding for you. Father, don't hold that against them. I already paid for that. Jesus is saying to the Father, Father, show them your love because I love them. There's this intercession, there's this conversation going on, and there's a conviction that the Holy Spirit brings to the world and to the people of God that I am cared for because Jesus went to the Father, I can be righteous. If Jesus is still in the grave, this is a little bit silly. But Jesus rose again from the dead, and that's good news. I am no longer in my sin, and neither are you. And he says, and then he's going to convict the world of judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. Who's the ruler of this world, church? Satan. Satan is. The devil. And he's the one that steals and kills and destroys. He's the one that rebelled against God. He's the one that is made, this pit of fire has been made for, and he's been judged you do not reign over the earth any longer, Satan. The Lord on high has vanquished you. That's like there's this judgment that the Holy Spirit brings that we are not under him anymore. We are no longer slaves to sin anymore. This is what the Holy Spirit convicts of. But in verse 12, this is our last chunk, he says some very specific things. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will declare to you that the things that are to come. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine. Therefore I said, he will take what is mine and declare it to you. So this helper this one that's better than Jesus next to me, he's going to do about, I think, three things out of there. He's going to guide, he's going to speak, and he's going to glorify Jesus. I want to talk about those, and then we're going to enter back into worship, back into prayer, back into just making space for God to do whatever God wants to do. Um, 
So when we say guide, I think it means it, like literally, there's so many Christians that are like, where should I go? I'm without guidance. I've been left orphanless. I'm an orphan. I don't have a, I don't have a leader. And Jesus is like, I'm not going to leave you, man. I'm going to fill you with me. And I'm going to tell you what to do. I'm going to guide you in your life. So when the disciples are said, go therefore and make disciples, they weren't just going by themselves. They were going with the power and presence of God. They weren't alone. When they're boiling John and like, oh, the dude just won't die. I guess we'll exile him. The Holy Spirit was with him. You right now have God with you, and he wants to guide you. Some of you, if we sat, we could just swap stories for hours about the way some of us would call it providence, some of us would call it prophecy, some of us would call it like, I just knew that I was supposed to go share with that person, but God's been guiding his people, and God will guide his people, but I think there's a problem sometimes. We think, well, if the Holy Spirit's going to guide me, he'll just sovereignly just do it. I don't think that's how it works. And this is what I mean. Um, if I brought, let's say, Levi or Josh up here, they're big men. Like, not that big. Just strong. Whatever. They're bigger than me, all right? And I'm, I was like, I am going to guide you, right? And they didn't want to go where I was guiding them. Do you think that I could make them? There's a big no. Josh is like 6'7". I don't even know. Maybe not that tall. He's tall. But if I was like, you're coming where I want to take you, I'm going to guide you. And he's like, No. He's not going. Most of us, I think, it's because we, we have this view of the Holy Spirit that if I was to say, Holy Spirit, you'd be like, be careful. If I said, hey, the Holy Spirit wants to guide you, you'd be say, be really, really cautious. But that's not what the Son of God says. I think most of us actually view it like, anybody a youth group kid, you were raised in youth group? God bless you. We played a game once, uh, and I don't know, youth pastors just come up with the stupidest games. Uh, basically, the, he filled the room up with perils, like trash cans full of trash, mouse traps, uh, just fire, things like that, and then decided it was a good idea to blindfold half the students and then assign them a leader or a guide who couldn't touch them but had to yell directions at them to try to get them across the room safely and to the, the goal, right? And then you get like a golden whatever. Yeah. My friends are stupid. So you know what their whole goal was while they were guiding, guiding me? Straight into the mousetraps, into the trash can, and I'm on fire. Like it's just like, and they're laughing, right? And some of us, we view what Jesus just said as if, yeah, yeah, you'll guide me with this distrust. But here's the, the picture of guiding. I actually hold my hand out sometimes to God, and I go, God, I will go with wherever you want, which requires a humbleness and a submission. I will go however weird I look. And I've been led to some pretty weird places to people and been like, I think God led me here to tell you about him. Do you want to know about him? No, I guess he, I did not hear him right. But to be led by the Holy Spirit, you have to be willing. It's almost like, here's my hand, take me. He says, too, he will speak. 
Now, I know we have trouble with that because it makes some of you nervous because when I say the Holy Spirit just, God just said, God and the second member of the Trinity just said, the Holy Spirit's going to come and he's going to speak. I believe all of you actually have already heard the voice of God. You're like, what? Tell me. The moment you got saved and you felt compelled to come down an aisle or give God everything, who was calling your name? Whose voice was that? When you, Christian, do something you know you're not supposed to do, like it's like wrong and you know it and you feel that like, don't do that. Whose voice is that? So stop, stop getting upset about the word speak. He speaks all the time. And to make you even more comfortable, I think we're like, don't tell these 20-year-olds that God can speak to them because they're going to get weird. The reality is, I most often know what God's speaking because I've read this. And when I do hear something from the Holy Spirit, it always lines up with this. And some of you are so afraid of God speaking because you had some pretty weird experiences. Somebody came up to you and you were like, the Lord just said I'm supposed to marry you. And you were like, no, he didn't say that to me. Right? And so we don't form our theology we don't form our doctrine. We don't form our lives off what other people say. We form it off the Word. Did the Word just say the Holy Spirit speaks? So as a church, we don't get to say, I don't like the topic of the Holy Spirit, or I don't like the idea of God speaking, and then step over it. If the text we were in today was about how homosexuality is a sin, do you know what I'd be preaching to you right now? That. Do you know why we walk through the Bible the way we do? Because we don't skip anything. And then he says a very specific thing, and it's really important to know this. He will glorify me. What's the Holy Spirit do? Glorifies the Son. Every encounter, I don't know why I finger quote that all the time. Um, for years of my life, the last two years of my life, I've gone to many, many rooms. I went to Asbury because I believe Jesus is there, and I love when he's places. And I watched. And I watched. I just, I just sat there, and then people would just start weeping, and I think I told you this. And not the, like, nice little church lady tear. You're like, oh, sweet. I mean, like, moaning. Like, woe is me. My sin has undone me. God, save me. And I'm like, no one's on stage. Nobody's pulling emotions. Nobody's doing anything. And, te like, teenagers and college students are, like, stage diving into repentance. And I'm like... And they're yelling at the top, Jesus, save me. And I went, there's the Holy Spirit. There's the Spirit of God. And I've also been in rooms where they're talking a lot about prophecy and a lot about fire, and a lot about a lot of things. And I'm like, but Jesus, where are you? So it's a good litmus test, this, what Jesus tells us. Every genuine encounter with the Holy Spirit that I have had leads me to go, Jesus, I love you. I treasure you now more than when I, wherever I was before this. It's a good test. It's not so much about outward manifestations. It's about treasuring Jesus. The Holy Spirit shows me Jesus. The Holy Spirit leads me to Jesus. The Holy Spirit, when he shows up, makes us go much of Jesus. The reality is, you can fight them. 
You can quench him. You can deny him. You can make him a side theology or a side doctrine that doesn't really matter. But to Jesus, it's to your advantage. It's actually better that Jesus isn't right here because when he goes to the Father, he'll send the Spirit and the Spirit will do those things. Which makes me go, I can trust the Holy Spirit. You can trust the Holy Spirit. That is one of the things that Jesus commanded, that actually this is me trying to form us not around some, I'm not even care about charismatic theology, that's Bible. I don't care about being reformed or Bible, I, I just that. What did Jesus say? Let's do that. Right? Let's do that. So if you're looking for guidance, Jesus told you who would guide you. If you're looking for the Lord to speak, he told you what the Holy Spirit would do. And when that Spirit comes, a great test, if it's the Holy Spirit is, do you treasure Jesus? So what I'd like to do, I'd like to just pray. I'd like to invite the Lord to be the Lord. And I'm going to invite David up and maybe even the rest of the band. I don't care. One of the things we have to get over is this idea that if you lay on the ground right here weeping and travailing for the next four hours, does God love you any more than when he died on the cross? If you sit over here and study Greek for the rest of your life and memorize it and exegete it perfectly, does he love you any more than at the cross? You don't have to earn anything. There's a free gift being given. And there's just like a rest for the people of God, not, not, to, not to strive, not to be like, see, I love you. And so I'm going to enter into prayer and worship, and I don't think people believe me yet, but there's freedom here. There's freedom for you to linger for the next hours and worship Jesus. There's freedom as well for you to leave because you feel like, I got places to be or the Lord wants me across town. That's good. So can we just position ourselves before God, like just in response to the word of God. Abba, I thank you that I can call you that. I prayed at first service, but it comes to mind again. It's just that you have given us a spirit of sonship and daughterhood where we are no longer slaves, but the spirit of sonship which cries out, Abba, Father. And that there's this place for us of rest and being restored into relationship with you where there's no striving. I thank you that you didn't, you didn't hyper-spirit. You just said the Holy Spirit's going to come because I'm going to ask the Father and the Father is going to send the Spirit. And that that Spirit, your Spirit, God, we welcome your work here. Holy Spirit, you are welcome. Lord, would you guide your kids? Would you lead them? Guide them into all truth. Guide them into your heart. Guide them to you, God. We love you. Abba, I love your words. I love your touch. 
I love your ways. I love belonging to you. I don't have to do anything. So we just receive your love. And we receive the Holy Spirit. And we ask for forgiveness for the times that we've grieved him. Or we've quenched out of fear. I'm not afraid because I trust you. And so Holy Spirit, will you start to speak to your kids? You only speak what you hear. And you don't speak under your own authority. So Father, I ask in the name of Jesus that cobblestone would listen to your spirit. And that Holy Spirit you would glorify the Son. Make much of Jesus in our hearts. Make much of the Son. So church, will you just picture God differently maybe than you ever have? As a loving father and as a little kid, you get to come into the throne room. You get to come to Dad. Abba is the word dad. So our Father in heaven, you are holy. But by the blood of your Son on the cross, you tore the veil and made a way that we can come to the throne of grace. There's no distance anymore. Sin does not claim us. The righteousness of God has been given. So we just sit underneath that. And so church, as you sit here and respond to the Lord, if you feel him stirring you, if you feel the Holy Spirit start to speak, if you feel a desire to come and repent because you maybe didn't before, we're going to just go step right back into where we, we started today. Worshiping the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world, allowing the Holy Spirit to guide us, maybe to pray for somebody in this room. Stay or go or sing or sit. Oh, this, this, this is open up here. And if you've never given your life to Jesus, maybe you feel dead still and you're like, all these people look so alive, but I don't feel alive. Jesus wants to make you alive, but you have to come to him. Let's respond to the Lord. I hope today's message has been a blessing and an encouragement to you. If you would like more information, you can find us at www.cobblestonechurch.com. Have a great week and God bless.